Thank you for joining us here on Brit David Podcast as Pastor Tim brings us a message from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, Finding Freedom from Fear. Franklin Roosevelt famously said, We have nothing to fear but fear itself. That sounds good, but it's not true. There are a multitude of things that strike fear in our hearts, but we do not have to be dominated by any of them. Paul tells his young protege, Timothy, that God has not given him, nor us, a spirit of fear, but he has given us everything we need to find freedom from fear. Here's Pastor Tim. If you have your Bibles tonight, if you will, take them and turn with me to 2 Timothy tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 1, as we work our way alphabetically through the Bible, we come to 2 Timothy tonight. This morning, we talked out of 1 Timothy about God's call on your life, the fact that He does indeed have a purpose for you, that He has a plan for you, that He calls you, and He equips you, and He empowers you, and He gives you opportunity, and He goes with you as you do the things that He's called you to do. In fact, when we read through things like 1 Timothy, and we see an older Paul talking to a younger man, Timothy, and trying to inspire him, it inspires us. As we begin to think about the individual call that God has on our lives as individuals and how God might use us. You know, I was talking to somebody just today and mentioned to them that I can see God at work in their life, knowing that God's at work in them, that He might also work through them. And, uh, and I could say that for so many of our people as well, that as God works in you, He's doing that, that He might work through you. And so when I think about those things, I think about First Timothy, I think about how, how God can use regular, ordinary people to do some extraordinary things and to make a real difference in the lives of people here and all over the world. It makes me want to go out and do it, right? Then for some reason, we just don't. We just don't move forward. We, we seem to be waiting on something. I, you know, I'm not, even, I'm not even sure what that is, and, and, and I'm just waiting for that big thing to happen, you know? And next thing you know, years have gone by, and I'm still in the same spot that I was years before, and I've still not used the gifts that I know that God's given to me, and I've not answered the call that I know that He keeps ringing over and over and over again. I don't think that we would be far off to say there is a reason why that's so. There is an enemy that's like a big bad wolf that's on the prowl. And this enemy is fear. It's one of the reasons why we don't get engaged in ministry or why we don't get busy doing the things that we know that God has equipped us to do, has enabled us to do, and has given us opportunity to do. You know, fear makes your, makes your palms sweaty. You know, it makes your palms sweaty and it gives you cold feet. <laughs> it puts, it puts a, a knot in your stomach, a flutter in your heart, 
and lead down in there in your feet. You know, it's, it's fear that, that makes your blood pressure soar and makes your heart sink all at the same time. Fear just has a way of stopping us and can literally be a fatal foe for us. Now, having said all that, let me remind you of this. Not all fear is bad. There is a healthy fear. There's a good kind of fear. There's a natural fear that God gives to us. But there's a good and godly fear as well. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if I want to have knowledge and I want to have wisdom according to the Scriptures, then I need to have an appropriate fear of the Lord. In fact, the Bible says this, Fear the Lord, you His saints. For to those who fear Him, there is no lack of anything. That's a good word for me. And in fact, I'm reminded that Job is the one who said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And Samuel even instructed people to do so. He said, only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Jesus Himself commanded us to fear with the right kind of fear. He said, don't fear the ones who can, uh, who can kill the body and not kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body. In hell. So there is a kind of fear that really we're not talking about tonight. That's a good kind of fear, something that is desirable to have within me. The kind of fear that we're talking about tonight is the kind of fear that disables you, it's the kind of fear that no one wants, that no one needs. And yet the kind of fear that Paul talks to Timothy about in this very first chapter is a timid, cowardly kind of fear. One that pays attention not to the Lord and what He's doing, but pays attention to, I was going to say circumstances, but really it's also potential circumstances. As worry and fear then begin to work together. But I want you to notice these two verses with me right here in First Timothy chapter, or sorry, Second Timothy chapter number one. Look, if you will, down to verse number six. Paul says, "Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." Because he's talking about, Timothy, I want you to stir up this giftedness that comes from the Lord. And I want you to do that through this laying on of my hands. We're talking about church work. We're talking about church ministry. When I have been called by God to do something through my church family to make an impact on the world or to make an impact on others, I need to not do that with fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear in the midst of that, but He has given me things that will help me to get through those things. So let me say these three things to you about fear tonight out of these verses. Number one, I want you to know that fear is real. Fear is real. Now, not all fears are based on reality, but that really doesn't matter so much, does it? 
The fear is still real whether it's realistic or not. Fear is simply an emotion that we have. It's a response that we have to what we believe. It's a distressing attitude, if you will. Something that's aroused in us when signs of danger are there. Whether those signs are real or not, the fear itself that follows is real. I want you to know these these things about it. Number one, it's actual. It is actual fear. We began tonight by making sure that, you know, that everybody understands that there is good and godly fear. You know, something as well as this evil and foreboding kind of fear that we read about in these verses. But the Bible recognizes that. God, God knows what you're going through. He knows how you are made up. He knows how He's created you. And He knows that there is this potential for fear that can be good and can be bad both at the same time and that you can experience both of those. And so the Bible not only acknowledges that, but it's very specific for us. There are three different words in your New Testament for fear. They're all... Uh, translated, for the most part, as fear throughout our Bible. But there are three different words that these authors or writers will choose to use. For example, a word that you may be familiar with and that you might expect to be in this, in this, uh, in this particular verse is the word phobos or phobio. You can hear our word phobia in it. A fear of something specific, if you will. This one, in all of its variables, is for the most part just a generic term for fear. It can, be, it can be a good fear, it can be a bad fear. It can be something that you should be fearful of or something that you should uh, avoid like anything. You just kind of have to look at the context to decide exactly what he's talking about. Then there's a second term. second term is eulabase. Eulabase is a word that's always used in a good sense. It's, it's the way that we would define fear as being a reverential awe, that I have an appropriate awe of God and that I, I'm reverent of Him, acknowledging both God and the things of God. And I'm yielded to that and humbled by that. But the word that you find here is the third word that's used. In fact, This is the only place in your Bible that this word is used. It's the word dilea. Dilea. When it's right here in our passage, God has not given us a spirit of dilea. When it's used outside of the Bible, and this word's used itself, it is always something wicked. It's always something evil. It's always something bad that it's referring to. It's the kind of fear that we are not to have. It means cowardice. It means timidity to the point of not trying. It means being filled with fear, that that fear has grasped you, that it's shackled you. And that's what we want to be free from. That's what we want to be unshackled from, is this kind of wicked fear. So fear is real, it's actual. The second thing I would have you know about real fear is that it's for anybody. It is for anybody, everybody. 
There's not one person on the face of this planet that is immune from fear. Not, I mean, even the kind that you don't want. I mean, there, most people are able to, to cope. They're able to process the fear that they have and, and learn, how to, learn how to work through those things. But some just can't. Some seem to be inborn. But know this. Even though there may be fear that is inborn, that's natural in a person's life, there is no fear that is reborn. No wicked, uh, no wicked bad fear like we're talking about. None that's reborn. Not, nothing that is of the second birth. When I am born again, I am to be set free from that. He mentions here the spirit of fear. Not to have that kind of timidity. Yet I know that I'm susceptible. Listen, Paul is writing to Timothy. This is the next generation, if you will, of pastors and missionaries. Paul has left him there in Ephesus that he might pastor that church. And yet, he himself seems to be filled with fear. Even this young, strong, up-and-coming preacher that, that everybody will look up to. He seems to be susceptible. To the church in Corinth, Paul writes, and he says, Now if Timothy comes to you, make sure or see to it that he be with you without fear. So apparently Timothy himself, of all people, seems to be constricted by this same kind of fear. So if Timothy can be, I recognize that I can be. It's actual, it's for anybody, and it's assorted. Fear is assorted. There's no such thing as simply a run-of-the-mill fear. You know, the attacks that, that fear brings on us are just as individual as we are. There's an article that was put out several months ago by Baptist Press, or sorry, by Baptist Health. And they listed what were the ten most common fears. What are the top ten fears? I'm not going to give you all ten, but I'll mention these to you. I was surprised. Number one right off the bat was acrophobia. You know what that one is? Fear of heights. That's right. A lot of people have that. Aerophobia. The fear of flying. I'm glad I don't have that one coming up. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Ophidiophobia. The fear of snakes. I'm with them on that one. Now, I'm not afraid of all kinds of snakes. I'm not afraid of good snakes. You know what a good snake is, right? Only good snake is a dead snake. (laughs) I ain't afraid of those kind. Trypanophobia. It's the fear of shots or injections. Uh, So some folks just don't even go to the doctor because they're afraid of what they might find out or what the doctor might do. There's a couple of them that have risen in the ranks in recent years, and I bet you that one was one too that has risen here lately. One is mysophobia. It's the excessive fear of germs and of dirt. You still see people wearing their masks, um, even, even when they're by themselves sometimes. So if you couple that with this next one, then you find out, you find a whole bunch of people about why they won't come back to church in these last three years. This one is social phobia. Sometimes it's called social anxiety disorder. It's the fear of 
crowds or the fear of being in a social situation. Now, there's a bunch of different kinds of these, and I bet you know what the number one kind of social fear is. It's the fear of public speaking, right? That one's there. But because fear has so many outlets, then there's, there's no way for Paul to get specific then with Timothy. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't write to Timothy and say, Now, now Timothy, you're going to be a preacher. God has not given you the fear of public speaking. Right? He, he doesn't get that specific. He doesn't say, Timothy, you've been called to be a missionary and you go to these different places around the world. Planes hadn't been invented yet, but God hadn't t- given you a spirit of fear of flying. Right? He hasn't said those things to him. Instead, he says this. God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's not just trying to lump everything into this one thing about fear and say, okay, that's the bad one and that's the one that you need to stay away from. He said, what you don't need and what God has not given you is this spirit of fear. The spirit of fear does not come from the Lord. And Timothy is to be led by the Lord. He's been led and ruled by the Spirit of God. So what does that tell you about this spirit? It's a demonic spirit. It comes from our enemy. It's there that it might shut us down. See, all of those things that happen to us that keep us quiet when fear takes a hold is exactly what the enemy intends. It's a vehicle and a tool, a weapon that he can use that is very effective on people. So fear is real. Let me give you a second truth. Second, fear is resourceful. It's resourceful. In the same way that your family members (laughs) know how to push your buttons, right? They know how to push them. They know when to push them, and they know which buttons will that they should push, you know, to get a certain reaction from you. Fear works the same way. There's not a one-size-fits-all. The attack that fear brings is one that is designed specifically for you. That's why Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us something that can... That can that can bring this control that it wants to have over so many of these other areas in our life. See, these things can impact every part of you. Body, mind, soul, fear attacks them all. Let me tell you some of the things that fear does and why it's so resourceful. Number one, it paralyzes. It paralyzes. Fear can keep you from acting, from doing, from speaking, really from doing anything. I mean, you may, you may sense a prompting from the Holy Spirit to help a stranger that's in need. Fear keeps you from doing that. I, mean, I don't know who that is. He, 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 he might attack me. He, he, might, he might do this or he might do that. Are those fears warranted? Well, maybe so. But it's fear itself that has stopped me. It's not necessarily that person. You may may receive a prompting from the Holy Spirit that you need to, to, to share the gospel with a lost family member or a friend. 
But it's fear that keeps us from speaking to them. We, we, don't, we don't want them to think ill of us. We don't want them to reject us. We don't want to add confrontation to our family. But that person, without Christ, they are going to go to hell for eternity. And it's fear that will let me allow them to do that rather than my feelings be hurt. I may receive a prompting from the Spirit of God that I need to give something. I just, I just can't do it. Fear will stop you dead in your tracks, make you like a deer in the headlights. It is dominating, and it is domineering. It's, it's what struck that third servant when, when he was given the talent by his master. Remember what he said? I was afraid, and I hid your talent in the ground. Now, here it is back. It paralyzes. Number two. It persecutes. It persecutes. It eats at, at us again and again and again. If fear, fear has paralyzed you, then I bet you know the feeling of hating yourself for it. You don't blame fear. You don't blame anything else. You blame yourself because you're not strong enough all of a sudden. I mean, even when you are determined... I recognize how God's gifted me. I see this opportunity, and I'm going to do it this time. <laughs> or the temptation comes, and you say, Not today, Satan. <laughs> Not today. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And then we end up like an ostrich with our head in the sand. Fear persecutes us because it attacks us over and over and over again like waves on the beach. Once you get knocked down, there comes another wave just to knock you down again before you can get back up. Fear seems to do that to us. I think fear thinks, or our enemy who uses fear, I think he thinks that eventually you'll just give up altogether. And that seems to be the point. Maybe a third though. Not only does it paralyze, not only does it persecute, but it also possesses. Possesses people. It takes control over them. In Romans chapter 8, Paul describes our fear as a spirit of bondage. That gives me a good idea, it gives me a good picture of what fear wants to do. When I, when I give in to that demonic spirit, it's... It's as if that compromise, he's able to shackle one of my ankles. Then he comes right back with another temptation towards fear. Or allows it to rise its head up and say, Tim, you ought not do that. It's like he's trying to put another shackle on that other ankle. Put one on this wrist and one on that wrist and put some duct tape over my mouth and, 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 and put blinders over my eyes. So that I might not see the need, that I might not speak, that I might not act, that I might not do, that it's fear that has possessed me, that has controlled me. What does the Bible say? It says the, the, the Holy Spirit of God wants to have that kind of control over you. That's why Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says to them, do not be drunk with wine. That's where excess is. 
He says, but be filled with the Spirit. He's talking about control. In the same way that alcohol has a way of controlling how you think and how you perceive and how you act and how you speak. The Spirit of God wants that kind of control over you. To lead you in the path that's everlasting. Not towards something that is destructive. It seems as if for every good thing that God has for us, our enemy has a substitute. And the substitute for the Spirit of God is a spirit of fear. And fear acts just like our enemy does. If you give him a toehold, he'll turn it into a foothold. And once he has a foothold in your life, He'll try everything that he can to make it into a stronghold. And that has to be broken. Pastor Tim invites you to join us tomorrow as he continues his message, Finding Freedom from Fear, from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast. <laughs>